Well, hello, Seacoast. It's great to be with you. I want to welcome you to church this weekend. My name is Josh Surratt. I serve as your lead pastor here at the church, and I love our church. I want to welcome all of you that are joining us online or uh, at one of our locations. We're glad you're here. Listen, you guys look great. You got an extra hour of sleep. Everybody's like happy. It's, it's just a good day to be in church. If you're watching online because it's raining, come on to church. You need to, you need to be around these people. It's, it's awesome. Part of it, I think, has to do with it's November, and both Clemson and South Carolina have winning records. I mean, that's, that's a good day. I mean, that's, it's been a while. It's been a while. So that's, that's good. Everybody's feeling good. Shout out to Coastal Carolina too. You guys are doing okay. Eight and one. Uh, but uh, man, I'm, I'm just grateful. I do want to say before I jump into my message, uh, thank you. I love our church. And this week is one of those weeks that the church was able to be my church. Uh, I get to lead the church, but it was able to be my church. And my, my daughter had a surgery on her eye, both of her eyes this Thursday. And I posted a picture of her and just asked for prayers. And you guys have been amazing in the way that you've just surrounded our family. On Friday night after her surgery, uh, I was sitting in bed with her and she knew I'd asked her permission to, to post the picture. And she said, Daddy, did anybody say anything on the, the, the picture? And so I said, oh, my goodness, hundreds of people. And so we sat in her bed and I just read her your comments and she was just blown away. She said, Dad, I feel so special that that many people just love and care for me. And so thank you for being my church this week and just caring for you. You do something for my daughter. I'll go to battle for you. And uh, you made her, made her feel great. We even got some donuts. Thank you, Joel Christie, uh, for the family. But, um, but, but lo love our church. I love being a part of it. And uh, I, I do want to share some, some good news with you. Anybody up for some good news? Um, many of you know our, our James Island and Johns Island campuses last fall merged together to become one campus, uh, meeting out at, at Johns Island. And Johns Island, if you live in the Charleston area, you know it's, it's a, an area that's full of development right now. It's growing, a lot of people moving into it. And combined, our James and Johns Island campuses have been doing set up and tear down for over 20 years. Uh, that's a long time to set up and tear down. And so in preparation for these people that are moving into town, and uh, we, we know we wanted a, a permanent facility for them at some point. And uh, just this past month, we closed on 13 acres of land on Bohicket Road. And so praise God for that. I want to show you the land real quick. Um, you see on the far left is Bohicket Road, and then there's Plowground Road, which connects Bohicket to River Road. So right, if you're ever going to Kiowa, you're going down Bohicket Road. It's right on, on, on that road, and again, 13 acres. And because of your generosity, as well as I would say financial stewardship, our finance team is one of the best in the world, our trustees, I see Brent here today, just we've got a lot of wisdom that comes from a board of trustees. We were able to pay cash, $1.3 million for that land. And so thank you guys, amazing. And um, I tell you that because we're entering into a season, and I'm not preaching about legacy this week, but over the next two weekends, we're going to be taking up a legacy offering. And uh, this is part of what we asked you guys about in the past couple of years. We've told you about uh, this and Somerville, some places that we know we need to get permanent facilities. And because you guys have been generous, we've been able to actually move the vision forward. And so we're grateful for that. Uh, we'd love to eventually build a campus on that land. And when will we do that? Uh, that depends on you guys uh, largely. And so we're in the process of kind of getting our plans together. But, but we talked as a team this week, and I know our trustees are going to connect on this as well, but we'd love to raise $2 million for this project before we even break ground. Uh, we think it's going to cost around $5 million. Again, we haven't got all of that laid out, but um, but we'd love to do this project debt-free, and so that's part of what 
the vision is moving forward. We've got plans in Somerville. We've got a lot of stuff happening with next generation and with uh, missions. And we're going to talk about some of that over the next couple of weeks. But I just want you to know, as we talk about our legacy offering that we're going to take, this is a part of what you guys are uh, enabling to happen. And I know many of you are watching here at a campus and you're like, well, I don't live in John's Island. I'm not going to sit in those seats. Whatever seats you're sitting in, uh, were paid for by the sacrifices of people who believed in this church and believed in the mission. And so we get a chance to serve people in a building that many of us may never set, step foot in, but people are going to get saved in those buildings. Marriages are going to be healed. Uh, people are going to come to know Jesus. And so we're just going to be a part of doing that for the future. So next two weekends, we'll be taking up an offering. Like I said, there's lots of vision. Uh, John Holmes is going to be preaching next week, our next-gen pastor. He'll talk a little bit about our next-gen vision. Uh, that's not all the message is going to be about. Then Pastor Greg, Greg's going to teach in two weeks. We have a website uh, at seacoast.org slash legacy where we've laid out all of the vision. We've got about $20, $22 million worth of vision that we'd love to jump on as soon as possible. And here's what I love about this legacy plan is you determine the pace. We lay out the vision, and then as you guys feel led to give, uh, we'll, we'll step forward with that vision. And so it's a very cool deal. Next week, the next two weeks, if you've never been at Seacoast for a legacy offering, I just want to go ahead and let you know. There's not going to be any pressure. It's not like this big moment of like compulsion. We believe that God blesses a cheerful giver. And so you guys just pray. Uh, we don't ask you to give. We ask you to pray and just ask God if you should be a part of the vision. And he'll lead you and direct you in that. And that's served the church well for 33 years. And so we're not going to change the strategy now. Um, I, there, that, that's one reason why I'm not going to ask you to give. The second reason I'm not going to ask you leads us into our topic today. And that's because I know something that is true about you that's also true about me. You don't like being told what to do. By, by show of hands, how many of you like being told what to do? That, uh, Joel, you almost got, yeah, yeah no, we don't. We don't like being told what to do. It's just part of our nature. We're not a big fan of being told what to do. And we're in a series right now where we're just looking, short series, two weeks, looking at the book of Titus. The, the title of the series is When Faith and Culture Collide. And so we're reading God's word and we're trying to figure out where, does, where do those collision points happen, where our faith and our culture collide. And so I sat down to read the book of Titus chapter three, and Adam gave some context and background. If you missed last week, pick it up. It was a great message. Uh, but here's Titus chapter three, verses one and two. It says, remind the believers to submit to the government and its officers. They should be obedient, always ready to do what is good. I think we just had a collision. I think our faith and our culture may have just collided right there in the first verse. The second verse says, they must not slander anyone and must avoid quarreling. Instead, they should be gentle and show true humility to everyone. Wow. As I sat down to read, I feel like the Lord told me, stop there. There's a lot of good stuff in Titus, but I think we need to unpack that a little bit. I think we need to talk about that a little bit. And if I'm being honest, I taught a few weeks ago on what does the Bible say about sexuality? And everybody, you know, was excited about that. We're teach God's word about sexuality. Not as much excitement and enthusiasm about teaching God's word about authority, but we're going to do it anyways, because our job is to teach the whole counsel of, of God. And uh, we're going to have fun together. But, but here's the deal. I know you already showed me. We don't like being told what to do. I remember being at a water park with my daughter. It was on her birthday and we had gone because we wanted to take her down this awesome slide. Well, we waited in this long line to get to the top of the slide 
And the 15-year-old lifeguard uh, is a young man. Uh, he and I had a little bit of a discrepancy, a disagreement about uh, Ellie's height at the time and whether she qualified to go down that slide. And he was an authority in the situation, unfortunately, of the slide. I was an authority of my daughter. He was an authority of the slide. And at the end of the day, his word stood. And I had to then take my daughter down the stairs after we waited in that long line. And she wasn't able to ride the slides. I'm a little bit irritated, right? I told you, you do something for my daughter, I'll go to war for you. You do something against my daughter, it doesn't look, doesn't, it's, it's just not good. And so we go to the lazy river and we're kind of, I've gotten over it. We're, we're cruising around in the lazy river. And all of a sudden, as my, my daughter is in a tube and I'm kind of swimming alongside of it, all of a sudden I hear this sound. Does that bless you? It didn't bless me either. I'm like, whoa, what, what is going on? And so I look up and there's this, this 15 year old girl, lifeguard. Sir, sir, you got to get in a tube. Get in a tube. Listen, this lazy river is two and a half feet deep of water. <laughs> At the time, I'm almost 40 years old. I've been swimming longer than you've been alive, young lady. I don't need to get in a tube, okay? I'm, I'm doing just fine here. Just leave me alone. You get in a tube. Uh, and I start to kind of bow up, and I'm like, what is going on here? And here's my problem is I have to filter these situations through the title Pastor of Seacoast Church. <laughs> which is annoying. And my daughter's like, kind of like, dad, let's not make a scene. She's like, dad, we'll get one of those double tubes. It'll be fine. And, and, and I felt like the Lord kind of challenged me in that moment and said, really, Josh, is this going to be your moment where you choose to, to buck authority in your life? And, and so what did I do? I didn't want to, but I went over to the side of the deal and I, I got this tube and I put it on. I don't want to get in the tube. The tube doesn't fit around my, my butt very well these days. The tube's just not, it doesn't look good on me. But, but I felt like God told me this, and I'm going to do the same for you. The title of the message today is Get in the Tube. Now, I have a question, Mike. Why are you going to take right now as the time to take a picture? You could have taken a picture a long time ago, but we're doing it now. But, I, but, but the, the, the word for us today is get in the tube. The tube doesn't always look that good on you. A lot of us don't want to get in the tube. But, but, but God's leading us to get in the tube. What do I mean by that? He's leading us to submit, to surrender to some authorities in our lives that we don't really want to. And so, so I don't know how popular this message is going to be. Um, but we're going to do it anyways, because I feel like it's what God wants us to do. We got to have an understanding. Why? Uh, why does God tell us to submit? Was it because the lifeguard was right? No, it's not an endorsement of the leadership that we're submitting to. It's more about us and our hearts. And as I've already kind of illustrated for you, this message will be one that I'm preaching to myself uh, as well as to each of you. So I'm not a big fan of this topic, but I also am learning what a difference it can make in our lives. And so I believe that we're in a season of, of our church where God is getting ready to, to do some things that we've never seen him do before. I believe he wants to continue the healing that he's done over the last couple of years. I believe that he's given us vision to reach people in ways that we've never reached them before. Some of it's going to be in person. Some of it's going to be online. I believe for all of us that are part of this, part of the kingdom of God, he has good things in store for us. But I believe that this is an area that could be a blind spot that could hold us back from experiencing all that God wants 
us to do. So we're going to talk about authority. I'm going to do what Paul told Titus to do. Remind the believers of some things about authority. Did it get quiet in here? Also, I feel like it stopped raining, got quiet. I'm talking about authority. I'm not talking about being in authority. I love being in authority. You guys, anybody with me? Anybody have little brothers or sisters? I love when mom and dad let us. Yeah, come on. You know that. I love having authority. But, but I'm talking about those moments where we're under some leadership. We don't really love that part of it. And so what I want to do, I'm going to look at a story from Jesus's life, Matthew chapter 8, that I believe has a, a, a truth that often gets overlooked in the story about authority. And then we're going to just do a couple of reminders about what God's word says about authority. Matthew chapter eight, verses five and six. It says, when Jesus returned to Capernaum, a Roman officer came and pleaded with him. Lord, my young servant lies in bed, paralyzed and in terrible pain. So Jesus is doing ministry in Capernaum. There's a Roman officer. Uh, some versions uh, call it a centurion. Uh, but this Roman officer, he's not a Jewish person. He runs into Jesus. But what we know is that he's a man who is submitted because he refers to Jesus as Lord. The Bible says anyone who would call upon the name of the Lord would be saved. He says, Lord. So he's submitted. He's a believer. He's a believer in Jesus. And he's coming to him with a major problem. He's got a servant in his home. And, and often we just read this and we don't engage with empathy into the story. But he's got a servant. He's paralyzed which is bad enough. He can't move, but he's also in terrible, terrible pain to the point that this, this centurion gets up and goes and finds Jesus and said, we've, we've got to help this, this young man in my home. And, and so Jesus responds to him, I will come and heal him. I love that. I just want to remind some of you that are going through pain right now. There's something broken. There's something that you're hurting. Jesus's heart. I love, he didn't ask questions. He didn't say, well, I've got a few things going. He says, no, I will come right now. The Bible says God is near the brokenhearted. He comes. He, he shows up when we're in pain. And that's the same heart that he has for us today. He said, I will come and I will heal him. But check this out. Little, little plot twist here. The officer said, Lord, I'm not worthy to have you come into my home. Just say the word from where you are and my servant will be healed. You see a great deal of humility in this man. I'm not, I'm not worthy. I don't feel like I'm worthy for Jesus to come to my home. And, uh, but you also see he, he's got this crazy faith. He says, I've got an idea, Jesus. And keep in mind, this wasn't on Jesus's resume. Uh, Jesus didn't have like long distance miracles yet on his resume. He hadn't done the Snapchat healing or the, 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 the text message healing. But this guy goes, I've got an idea. Why don't you just say it from right here where you are and my servant, way back at the house, he'll be healed. You don't have to even come to my home. What? Like, who, who thinks like that? What kind of person thinks like that? And, and, and here's the deal. He actually, I love, you know how when you do homework, sometimes you have to show your work, show your math. He shows his work. He shows us his thought process that gets him to the place of asking Jesus to do something so absurd that it, 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 it amazed Jesus. Here's what he says. I know this because I am under the authority of my superior officers and I have authority over my soldiers. I only need to say go and they go or come and they come. And if I say to my slaves, do this, they do it. 
Isn't that interesting? He says, I'm asking you to do this, Jesus, because I understand how authority works. I've got people that I report to, and I've got people that report to me. And if you've been in the military, you understand this. All it takes is a command, and we take that command, right? We operate. We execute that command. So Jesus, I acknowledge that you are sovereign over the entire universe. You've already declared your intent to heal my son. Why don't you go ahead and command that healing from here? You don't even need to come. Wow, that is amazing thinking. And look what, look what Jesus did in verse 10. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed. He was flabbergasted. His jaw hits the floor, and he turns to his disciples and says, what's wrong with you? I've never seen any of this out of you. Not, not really, but he kind of does. He, he turns and he says, I tell you the truth, I haven't seen faith like this in all of Israel. Then Jesus said to the Roman officer, go back home because you believed it has happened. And the young servant was healed that same hour. So somewhere, some far distance from where this interaction is happening, there's a young man paralyzed, laying in bed. And at the, the sound of Jesus's voice, he's not paralyzed anymore. He gets up. He's like, hey, anybody got some ice cream? I heard we were going to party. Like he, all of a sudden, he is, he's fully healed. Is that not amazing? Just crazy, crazy miracle. And again, I believe that God wants to continue to do those types of things among us. We've seen it. We've seen it happen. We've seen him heal people of cancer. We've seen him heal people of, 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 of just crazy things. But here's what I would say to you. If we were to dissect this, this miracle, that there are two factors that contributed to it. Number one was the size of his faith. Jesus said that. Man, I haven't seen faith like this in, in, in all of Israel. But the second one, which would be often overlooked, is the scope of his submission. It's not just the size of his faith, but it's the scope of his submission. And I, I, I taught a very similar message about five years ago to our student ministry custom because I knew that they needed to understand spiritual authority and leadership authority in their life. But I think it's come time that, that the parents also understand this as well, that we talk about what does it look like to be a person who stands for what is right. And again, I know that in a room like this and online, there may be some people that are struggling with an abusive authority situation. That's not what I'm talking about today. If, you, if you're being abused by your authority, you need to find a way out of that. Come talk to us. We will help you. That's not what I'm talking about. But man, we've all been under authority that we just didn't like. Come on. How many of you have ever worked for somebody that you just didn't enjoy working for, right? They didn't get it. You had better ideas. Sometimes it's with our parents. Sometimes it's, I mean, again, in our current government, I can tell you that over the last two-year window of time, that pretty much 100% of us have served under a, a leadership regime that we didn't agree with, that we didn't. And again, this is not, this message is not an endorsement of the authority figures in your life. It's a, a heart check for how we're handling when we're under authority, especially authority that we, we disagree with. And so, so what do we do? What, what, what do we do? I, I love this quote by Adrian Rogers. Uh, by the way, this is not Aaron Rogers. Uh, we're not quoting much of him this week. Um, this is... Adrian Rogers, he was a actually two-time president of the Southern Baptist um, Convention, uh, great, one of the great leaders of our faith. Look at this quote. He says, we will never be over those things that God has set under us until we learn to be under those things that God has placed over us. There is strength through surrender. Wow. 
Wow, that's a powerful statement. We'll never be over the things that God has set under us or prepared to be under us until we learn to get under the things that God has currently set over. There's strength in submission. I believe this centurion lived that out. He understood the principles of authority. And so what I want to do is give you three quick reminders. Paul said to Titus, remind them, remind the believers uh, this is a lot of us. This isn't new, but it's something that we need to be reminded of from time to time. And there's three thoughts. Number one, God is the author of authority. God is the author of authority. I'm going to say something and some of you are not going to agree, but I'm going to show you in scripture why it's true. All authority comes from God. All authority comes from God. He is the author of authority. If you want to remember that, you can't spell the word authority without author. So anytime you're struggling with authority, think to yourself, okay, who's the author of this authority. And, and, and listen, I will, I will again give you some caveats here, but so many times we take the exception and apply it to our life when it's actually the, the exception. D Daniel served under authority that he didn't agree with. If authority's telling you to do things that, that are against scripture, that are against the Bible, then we have examples in scripture where you can respectfully and honorably uh, not, not submit to that, that directive. And so there's definitely, I'm not, I'm not telling you to violate that, but what I'm telling you is by and large, um, the authority figures in your life have been authored by God. So, so when you're tempted to bristle at authority in your life, remember that you're bris bristling at God. And I want to show it to you in Romans 13 verses one and two, Paul is writing to the church at Rome and he says, let every soul be subject to the governing authorities. There is no authority except from God. And the authorities that exist are appointed by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authority resists the ordinance of God. And those who resist will bring judgment on themselves. Wow. Now, some of you may read that and go, well, Paul doesn't understand my situation. He doesn't understand where I'm living. Well, let me explain the situation in which he just wrote that verse. The church at Rome. The church at Rome. Do you know who was in charge of Rome at the time Paul wrote this letter? It's an emperor, and you studied about him some in history. His name is Nero. Anybody remember studying about Emperor Nero? This was one of the worst and cruelest leaders that's ever lived on planet Earth today. Nero was a bad, bad dude. In fact, when Paul wrote this, uh, Nero at, at this time had had his mother, brother, and wife executed just out of impulse. Because he didn't like them, because he didn't enjoy them. This is the kind of leader that, that was over and in charge of Rome at this point. He actually burned part of the city of Rome down because he wanted to expand his, his uh, real estate portfolio. So he sets fire to Rome, and then he blames the Christians for it and has them executed for it. In fact, he would throw parties, and, and you know how a lot of times you guys have candles at a party for some atmosphere? What he liked for atmosphere at his parties was burning Christians. And I'm not making this up. You can read your history books. He would burn Christians just for environment, just because he enjoyed doing it. This was a terrible leader. In fact, Paul eventually would die at the hands of the Roman government. And so this is not an endorsement of Nero. <laughs> Paul's not saying, hey, Nero's the man. We love him. No, he's saying, hey, as believers, you're going to be tempted to rebel to revolt, and I'm telling you, you have to remember that we're building a kingdom that is not of this world. 
We're in this world, but we're building a kingdom that is bigger than this world. And the mission that we have for our lives is bigger than this world. And so there are going to be times that you serve under a boss. There are going to be times that you don't agree with your parents. There are going to be times, but what the world sees and how the believers act, and it's not a lay down and roll over. It's there's boldness and there's standing up for your values, but there's also a honoring and a recognition of authority in our lives. And, and, and I'm just going to give you a clue. What you see on the news and what's modeled on most of social media does not line up with the way that God has called Christians to live in, 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 in this world. And so, so he says, man, in these circumstances, I'm telling you, all authority is established by God. Does that mean God like picked Nero? I don't, you know, we could get into some theological arguments about that. All it means is that nothing happened that heaven didn't allow to happen. Nothing happened that God didn't allow to happen. And so we, we have these circumstances and situations where we just have to learn to submit. So if you have authority issues, and I'll go ahead and spoil it for you. I do. It surfaced on progress reports when I was growing up, right? Dad, mom, you guys remember some of that? Uh, it was spoken about in parent-teacher conferences. I was suspended from high school because I didn't appreciate the dress code that my school um, had asked us to live under. Uh, that, 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 I'm not a big fan of authority. And so I'm just telling you this. I'm preaching to myself. Uh, I've been reprimanded by many an airline attendant who told me to shut off my cell phone so that the plane wouldn't crash. I said, can you help me understand the connection and correlation between me texting my wife? And, you know, I've, I've been there, right? I've struggled. In fact, I remember I was about fourth grade when I decided that the leadership in my home was not sufficient. They weren't leading in the way that I felt like they should. And I, I, term, I determined it was, it was the right moment for a revolt. And uh, I was, I'd come home from school, and my dad was still at work. I sensed a little bit of weakness with my mom. And I decided today's the day that we're going to revolt against authority in this home. And I don't remember everything that happened. Um, my parents never abused me. I will say that publicly and on record. But I do remember that the, the, the revolt finished with me laying prostrate on my mom's bed. She was sitting on top of me. And she said, this is a war. You started it. I will finish it and I will win. <laughs> and so I went from feeling like I needed a little bit more freedom to not having the freedom to move my hands and feet at the times that I wanted to. Okay. So I, I'm not a big authority guy. I just started a, a weight loss kind of diet program and I paid money to do this thing. It's called E2M. A bunch of you guys posted about it. It's just like a, a diet. I learned that you can't uh, outwork a bad diet. And I've been trying to do that for a long time. And so I'm paying these guys this week. I started on Monday, Lisa and I did, and I'm watching their videos and I'm telling Lisa, this is dumb. I don't like this. That guy doesn't know what he's talking about. I should be able to put whatever I want to in my coffee. I should be able to go to Chick-fil-A. Like I don't, I don't, I'm not a, I'm not a fan. I'm not doing it. She's like, Josh, you're teaching on authority this week. Okay. So we've just kind of worked the plan. And I'll tell you, I've lost 10 pounds in five days. You know, not bad. Thank you. It would have been a better applause, but some of you are going, that, that guy, that brother lost 10 pounds? Dude, what did you look like before that? Give me some time. I'm working the plan. I'm working the plan. I'm under authority. And so, so God's the author of authority. Let's just, let's just remind ourselves, God is the author of authority. You may think your situation's unique, and it probably is, but it wasn't as extreme as Nero. And so just remind yourself, it's not Nero. It's not Nero. Number two, rebellion from authority leads to the opposite of freedom. Rebellion to authority leads to the opposite of freedom. Why would we rebel from authority? Because we, we want freedom. We, we, we need our freedom. I told you the story 
about my mom. I, I, I wanted more freedom. I ended up, you know, with, with no freedom. Uh, if you think about somebody who breaks the law, maybe it's shoplifting. Maybe you, you want more. You, you feel like you, you, you deserve. I deserve. We've heard that already today. And so we go try to get something that doesn't belong to us. And what happens? We end up having somebody else telling us when we can go outside or inside and when we're going to eat and what we're going to eat. We lose freedom. That's what happens. We saw it in the, the garden of, of, of um, what was that garden? Eden. Uh, garden of Eden. You know, Adam, Adam and Eve. They're like, hey, we want more knowledge. We want more. We're going we're gonna to rebel. And what happens? They get banished from the garden. They lose what they had. And so often when we rebel from authority, we lose what we had. The Romans, uh, the Jews in, in, in 70 AD, they rebelled. They decided, you know what, we're going to do this differently. They got banished from Rome. So often we see it. Uh, in fact, I would say this. You're never more like Satan than when you're rebelling from authority. Because that is the nature of who he is. Satan, we learn about in Isaiah, he was an angel. He was one of the, the angels that had a lot of leadership and a, a lot of authority in heaven. And here's what he said. He said, I will ascend to heaven and set my throne above God's stars. I will preside on the mountain of the gods far away in the north. I will climb to the highest heavens and be like the most high. I deserve more. I'm going to rebel. And what did God say? Instead, you will be brought down to the place of the dead, down to its lowest, lowest of depths. See, Satan, our enemy, is, is an example for us of what happens when we get full of pride and decide, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to rebel. And I know, listen, I realize that we live in the land of the free and the home of the brave, and, and, and our country was basically rooted in rebellion. And so I, I get that, like, the DNA of the room that I'm talking to, maybe some of you online aren't here, but, we, like, it's in our DNA, right? I get it. It's in our blood. That's why this is such a, a struggle for us. But remember, we're not building nations. We're building a kingdom. We're getting people into heaven. That's what the assignment God has given us. And so, so rebellion leads to less freedom. And then last thought for us, God is preparing you for authority with authority. God is preparing you for authority with authority. You're always being prepared for something. Always being prepared for something greater. And authority is a preparation in our lives. It's like training camp. It's like those moments where nobody sees it, nobody sees the word, but, but we're being prepared for the moments where God is going to put us in authority. So maybe you're under bad authority. Maybe you're struggling right now with a boss that just doesn't get it or a parent. Maybe you're struggling even in our nation right now. And I just want to remind you, this is a preparation season. He's preparing you for something. What is he preparing? I'm not sure. But if you can learn to be led, you'll be useful as a leader. But if you can't follow, what kind of leader are you going to be? What kind of leader are you going to be? David's life proved this. I think about David a lot. But David, when the, the man of God came to anoint a future king, you guys know this story. Many of you do. He was in the field. His, his dad didn't even bring him into the lineup. Uh, he was the eighth child. And so he didn't even get a seat at the table. And ultimately, the, the, the man of God begins to to, to figure it out. And he says, hey, the Lord doesn't look at the same way man does. He doesn't look at the exterior. He looks at the heart. And he looks at David and he anoints him as the future king of Israel. We love that story. It's great. But think about this. What happened after the man of God left? David's going, hey, guys, how do you like me now? Right? I'm the king of 
And David's dad says, hey, clean off the table and get back out into the field and tend the sheep. You're still under my authority. You need to, you need to serve here. And for 20 years, David serves bad authority. His dad rejected him. His brother belittled him. King Saul tried to murder him. For 20 years, he served under bad authority, and it was a preparation for him. And one day, his moment came. One day, God established him as king. Because he had learned how to be tested, he was able to, to lead well. Because he learned how to yield to others, in, in, in times of, of preparation, he would ultimately become one of the greatest leaders that our world has ever known. See, David's life proved it. If you can't be tested, you can't be trusted. Can you be tested? Can God trust you? Maybe this current season of authority, this current moment that you're going through, where, where is this a struggle for you? Where is it? I just want to ask you to kind of reflect on that as we close. And I want to remind you, our kids are learning from us. Our kids are learning from us. My son had a, a soccer tournament a couple of years ago and a team that they were playing. One of the kids got kind of fired up and, and the, the, the referee ended up kicking him out of the game and the kid wouldn't leave. He's screaming in the ref's face. And again, my son was like 12 at the time, screaming in his face. And the ref finally kind of leads the kid towards the sideline. And as soon as the referee put his hands on the child, and he didn't push him, he just led him to the sideline, a group of parents stormed the field from the other team's sideline and started screaming at this referee. One of them brandished a, a gun. And, and here was my thought. Where did that kid learn his attitude towards authority? It was through his parents. And I feel like God led us to this moment to this series, again, not as an endorsement of any of the leaders in your life. A lot of them may very well be terrible, but as a heart check for us, we're being tested. Can we be trusted in this season? Will we be willing to submit and surrender to the authorities that God has put in our lives? And let me just clue you in. The ultimate authority is God. And some of us today, that's what we need to do. You know, we need to surrender and submit to Jesus as our Lord, as that centurion did. Some of us, we've, we've asked Jesus to be our savior. I don't want to go to hell. I want to go to heaven. Help me get out of my trouble. Help me, you know, Jesus, I need your help. And that's, that's great. But have you asked him to be your Lord? You know what that involves? Surrender. God, I give you my life. God, I'm not going to try to run this thing anymore. I'm not going to try to be the, the manager of, of all things. I'm surrendering my life to a God who can be trusted. And guess what? Jesus already told us his plan. He came to give you life and life abundantly. He came to seek and to save the lost. He came to, to get us on mission with him. But sometimes that means, you know, we, we surrender what we want for what he wants. Not my will, but yours. That's a prayer of surrender. And I want to give you, all of us an opportunity. And you may have been a Christian for a long, long time. But for all of us, today is a moment I would ask, are you surrendered to God? Are you elevating his word above anything else in our lives? And are we submitted to his authority? Would you pray with me as we close? God, I thank you.
I thank you that you can be trusted. I thank you that you're a good father. Lord, all of our life, you've been faithful. Even the moments where we've strayed in this area, even the moments where we've struggled, our attitude has been wrong. We've maybe modeled what we shouldn't have. But God, in this moment today, my heart, and I pray the heart of everybody as a part of this church, would be to say, God, I surrender my life to you again. I submit my life to you again. You are the author of authority. Ultimately, it is your authority that I'm surrendered to. I'm not here to build my kingdom. I'm not here to build my world. I'm here to be a part of yours. And so if you tell me to go, I'm going to go. If you tell me to give, I'm going to give. If you tell me to serve, I'm going to serve. If you tell me to keep my mouth shut, I'm going to keep my mouth shut. God, I want to be a person who is surrendered and submitted to you. And would you help us in the seasons where we're under authority that we don't agree with or that, that's like sandpaper in our lives? Would you help us to grow into the kind of leaders that you're calling us to be? We love you. We honor you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, hey, we're going to respond to God. And again, uh, if you're a veteran here at Seacoast, you know that this is just a time where we say, hey, God, what are you saying to me today? And what am I going to do? And we've got a lot of opportunities. There's crosses, and maybe you're struggling right now, maybe in an area of authority. Maybe you're under a leader. It's hard for you. Maybe there's, there's just an area that's kind of a heart check. As we've been talking, you know God has elevated some things in your own heart. Just go, go, go to the cross. There's freedom. This is the, Listen, Romans 8.1 is one of my favorite verses. There's now, therefore, no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. This isn't a con condemning message. This is a, an invitation to something better. So we just take that. If God's doing something in your heart, maybe you're carrying a burden, you're struggling, just take it to the cross. Maybe you don't know how to handle a situation where you're being asked to do something that violates the values that God's given you. Take it to the cross. God, I need you. I want to ask you for help here. We're going to go to the candles. Here's an idea for the candles. We use that for prayer. But if there's a name, some of you, there's a name, there's a person that you're struggling with, why don't you pray for them today during response time? Why don't you pray for them? It's really hard to be bitter at somebody and pray for them at the same time. And so just in the act of doing that, God, help me to see them with your heart. Even if they never change, I'm just going to pray for them. And often when we pray for others, it's, it's us that ends up getting changed. There's communion and opportunities for us to come and receive communion, which uh, just as a reminder for us that Jesus came that he's our Lord and our Savior, that he died on a cross, that he took our sin, that we are surrendered to his will in our lives. There's prayer teams, and we've talked a lot today about healing. Man, I just believe that God wants to continue to do that, to work that out in our church. And some of you, maybe you're dealing with a physical issue. You need healing in your life. Come receive prayer. Some are gonna give generously. Just as an act of surrender, of obedience, say, God, it's not, none of it's mine anyways. I'll give it to you. But what's God saying to you today? And let's respond to him together as a church.